Welcome to the Restoration Church Life Podcast. We hope this resource helps keep you informed about the various happenings inside the life of our church and equips you to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Hello again, Restoration Church. Nathan and Joey coming to you again as we start a new series of podcasts on the topic of pornography. And so this is a pervasive problem in the culture and in the church. And so it is so large that if you were to take the revenues and incomes of Microsoft, Google, eBay, Amazon, Yahoo, Apple, and combine them all, pornography would still outpace them in terms of amount of money spent in these things. And so it is a pervasive problem, mm. uh, brother. And so it's not, that's not only the culture, but it's mm-hmm. also inside the life of the church. But, but before we get ahead of ourselves, let's just take a moment. What is it? So when you hear the word pornography, what is the Bible talking about? What are we talking about in those when we use that word? Uh, you can think about the word, the Greek word behind it is where we get the word pornography is porneia. Uh, we hear Jesus using that word in Matthew 19. So it means historically sexual immorality. So if we understand moral to be that which is right in the eyes of God, immorality is the opposite of that. So defined sexual or pornography would be that which is sexually opposed to the goodness and the righteousness uh, of God. So the perversion of that which is good in sexual intimacy. Yeah, I think that's, I'd say something along those lines, pursuing sexually what God has forbidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can manifest itself Typically, when we think about pornography, at least in my mind, what immediately comes to mind would be someone sitting at a computer looking at an image. Mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm. not the only thing right. there. there. There are other ways. So that could be it could be mental, yep. meaning I could purposefully try to think about things that are forbidden sexually and dwell on them. This is what Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. A man looks at woman with lust in his heart. He has committed adultery, those kinds of things. So that's a mental ascent. Right. So then you, you would have the virtual as well, which... Mm-hmm. Given our context and our time, that's going to be a big one. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But devices and computers and iPhones and you name it. Looking at images on a screen. And then you also have physical, mm-hmm. obviously, which would be the materialization of these lusts that, that come mm-hmm. out. So that's when we, when we talk about pornography, that's what we're talking about. Uh, real quick, as we think about these things, what's the difference, Nathan? Why is it helpful to think through temptation versus the materialization of a lust. Is temptation sin? Yeah, temptation in and of itself is not sin. Okay. Yeah, so it's the it's the giving into that temptation that leads us into the sin. So we we know that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin according to Hebrews. So temptation in and of itself is not the sin. Uh it's what we do with that temptation that whether or not it becomes the right choice or the bad choice, that's the right. sin or the not sin. Yeah, yeah. So I think the moment we we begin to dwell and personalize that temptation, that's when we begin to cross this line. Yeah. So so if you're listening to this and you are tempted with lust, that the Lord may deliver you from that temptation, mm-hmm. or he may leave it with you for until he comes back or he takes you to see him. But the question is, what do we begin to do with those temptations? Yeah, and I think probably which would describe hopefully most of us is there's a sort of while he may never de- completely deliver us, it'll sort of lessen as time goes on. I know that's, you know, from the days that I was 18 to the now the days I'm 42, and part of that is, 
you know, being married and some other things that have happened in my life, it's certainly, I wouldn't say that it's gone, but it's certainly much smaller than it was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My, and yeah. I can testify to that same thing is, mm-hmm. you know, I was an unregenerate mm-hmm. uh, college student living in a fraternity house. You can imagine the amount of porn that was yeah. available yeah. Uh, and accessible. Yeah. Uh, and then those didn't go away overnight, but God and his kindness has increasingly delivered me from the the presence of temptation, mm-hmm. but not altogether. Not right. certainly not free yeah, yeah. Uh, in those ways. But yeah, so, so is okay. So we, that that's as we think about that's that's what it is, and as we've talked about it, it's pervasive not just in the in the culture, but in the church. And in preparation for our talks on this, I just went and tried to find some statistics and statistics on any topic. You can find the wide range yeah. of what, whatever yeah. you want yeah. in a way, but it's clear that. Any anything you read is going to roughly say fifty percent of men fit in the church. This is what we're talking about in the church. Fifty yeah. percent of men in the church regularly pursue some type of pornography. Fifty percent. That'd be inside of those three categories of mentally, virtually, or physical. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And so, and then it's it's roughly to twenty to thirty percent of women. So this is not, as it's commonly talked about, this is not just for men. To deal with. So and then, why, is, why is that important? Why is it important that we, that we recognize pornography is not just a, an issue for men, but also women? Well, first, yeah, I'll yeah. answer that. But first, too, like, haven't we seen, correct me where I'm wrong, haven't we seen, like, that female figure really begin to leap in the last maybe five, ten years? Is that true? That's, I feel like I've read that from somewhere. What I've, from what I've read, that is absolutely true. In fact, one of the one of the stats I just read now, according to a recent survey, one in three visitors to a pornography site is a woman. Okay. Which is it. Yeah, so we tend to think about the reason why, going back to your question, the reason why this is important to note is because we tend to think about, at least maybe it's just because I'm a man, I don't know, but my assumption is, is when we use the word pornography and talk about it in public, we tend to think it's just sort of a male problem, uh, when in fact it seems to be increasingly a male and a female problem. It always has been, but it seems to be increasingly more of uh, either. Yeah, and uh, so why is it important for us, particularly as pastors, uh, and as a church body to recognize that this is this issue is not gender specific. Well, because I think it's it's not a you know I don't know because there's male and female in our churches. I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> so, but what what but what would happen? Yeah. For let's say we t- we only talked about this from a male perspective. Yeah. I think that would isolate any woman who sure. was struggling with this. Sure, absolutely. And, yeah, and I think in some ways, even there's probably some women that are listening to this that think that they can't talk about it because they're a woman and they think this is more a male problem and so it's there's a lot of men that struggle with it just in general but there's maybe an additional level of difficulty that a female feels about this because they think you know because they're a female they shouldn't struggle with this as much and so yeah and i think that's part part of the hope of us even talking about it is to not normalize it or lighten it yeah. but also create a space and a freedom for it to be discussed yeah whoever you are and whatever you struggle with. So, yeah. in that. so so we were to take those statistics, just for example, is I boil them down to our membership of our church. And so we can assume if the statistics are correct, we have 30 to 35 men who are regularly looking at pornography, and we have about 15 or 20 women that are regularly looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. That, that's regular. That's not even those who say do it once a year or once every other year, but that, that, those are regular struggles. Yeah, that that's not sta- substantiated, to be clear. We don't know this. No. This is just going with those statistics. Yeah, if we were to take those statistics and yeah. map them onto our church yeah, yeah. Uh, in those ways. Helps and us so, think about it a little more clearly. Yeah. yeah. So in some ways, as you as you mentioned, that this issue in particular has 
become more pervasive both in culture and inside the the life of uh, our church. So why do you think that is? Why do you think this particular issue is one that is gripping Christians? Well, we know right off of the bat, right, that this is not a new problem. So there's not something about We're not talking about this now because in some ways something has come up in the last 10 to 15 years or 20 years that's new. You know, the Bible tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. But I do think we are seeing an uptick in this same sin that was present back in, gosh, I'm thinking about in Augustine's day of the 4th century when this is a big problem for him. Um, so, of course, it's being addressed in Scripture, so it's that's 2,000 years old. So, But I do think there seems to be a ramping up of it, and I think there's a few reasons that I think I'll start off with one. Okay. One is is that it's just easy to get to, right? It's much more easier in the last 10 to 15 years. When I was growing up, uh, if I wanted to go look at porn, you know, something that would be more physical, uh, that more virtual, as it were, that wouldn't be virtual. It would be something either, uh, you know, you'd have to find a VHS tape that and those were floating around. I still don't know where the handful of guys got those that had them. Um, I, I literally, yeah, I don't even know that there were shops back then, but I'm sure there were. I just didn't know about them. They weren't anywhere in my community that I grew up in. And then you'd have to go to the to the uh, like the convenience store we call them jiffies you go into the jiffy <laughs> and behind the stand in the jiffy store there would be like these black things and you knew back there you could ask for them and you had to ask the guy to go get them for you well, that was the thing right you had to go yeah. into a store somewhere in public yeah. and you had to go to someone yeah. else and actually talk to them and say i want to get that thing behind the counter right as opposed to now the internet has brought it right into home and not only the internet uh, also phones had made have made it more easy to hide, which yeah. I think is the big piece of it. So so the Internet, one, brings it into our own homes really easily. And then secondly, uh, iPhones or phones in general are able to make us more mobile in hiding it, going into rooms and bathrooms and things so that people can't – so it allows us to proliferate it even more. Yeah, so, so the ubiquitous nature of device. So I remember when in high school we first got uh, computer and Internet. There was one computer in our home in a public place. Yeah. Well, now – uh, it's it's it'd be very uncommon for there only be one internet connected device in a home, at least where we live in Northwest Washington D.C. Yeah, so that the, the yeah. ease of access would certainly be one of those things that that helps yeah. this proliferate. Yeah. What, what anything else that, that comes to mind? When yeah, you know why? yeah. I was we were talking about this before, just before this podcast, and a couple of things kind of came to mind. I think kind of two in descending order. One, I think we we're operating now inside of a you know, a kind of sexual revolution like we've never seen. I mean, you you talk to cultural commentators, and many of them would agree that, like, the kinds of claims that are being had and the kinds of laws that are being passed uh, and widely accepted, there's not been a single society in the history of the known world that has done this. And so, therefore, this kind of sexual revolution, I think, has also accelerated the pace uh, of pornography and uh and so I can remember a show I used to watch in the 90s I think it was was the was friends shown I think it was 90s like yeah, two, the was, early 2000s it was, it was 90s and yeah so like there 2000s. would be there would be shows and it was funny like it was a joke that they got like the porn channel and they would never leave and watch it was like part of the fun like it was it was just but but that would have never happened if it were not without this kind of sexual revolution that we're operating inside of whereby people think that it's to be celebrated to be able to uh, express yourself sexually. So I think the sexual revolution is, is further exasperated. And there's something going on before the sexual revolution that allowed the sexual revolution, I think, to happen. And that is, namely, the predominance of uh, hedonism. You know, hedonism is just basically pursue whatever you want, any joy in and of yourself. 
And so we could talk, walk back philosophically how we even got there to the Enlightenment and all that sort of stuff. But the point is, is I think now we operate inside of a society where now the single individual right is you should be able to pursue your individual joys however, whenever you want. And so therefore, a palatable aspect of that is that sexual revolution. So the sexual revolution is able to thrive based off of a hedonistic uh, acceptance throughout society. Which then makes it that third step of having the ease by which to find it. Yeah. Any things you'd add to that? No, I think it's clear when you look at culture, uh, a lot of culture wants to define us by our sexual experience or materialization. Yeah. So you, it's it's almost you are what you have or who you have sex with or mm-hmm. who you those types of things. And mm-hmm. so that's what it means to be free is to not put any limitations on us. And so that that's begun to seep its way into various aspects. Uh, in a more, I think, ruddy manner. Not not as it's, it's more prevalent. And so this, us one culture or one lady that I read said we live in a pornified culture. Yeah. And so I think that that's certainly given rise to it. So it's, it's yeah, it, which I think you're starting to note. You're starting to see that the sexual identities and the sexual revolutionaries that are promoting these sexual identities are now beginning to have those rights are being seen as more important than, say, religious liberty rights. And so, which is an expression of this predominance of pornified culture. So, yeah, that now matters of sexual interests have become more predominant, more uh, higher in interest than religious or matters of faith. Yeah, And, And in some ways... This will give the church an opportunity to shine more yeah, brightly. No doubt. That as we begin to have an yeah. ethic informed by Scripture, by Christ, yeah. that is increasingly against the grain of culture, and we have reasons why we have this position, we will be able to shine brightly and winsomely, yeah. hopefully. And, and when people begin to experience that their, their, their sexual... Um, experiences have not delivered what they've desired, yeah. well, the church should be able to stand ready to welcome them in yeah. and point them to the surprising supremacy of Christ. So we're aliens, strangers right. in this world, right. sojourners, all those Bible words. That's right. This yeah. is a great opportunity yeah. to really highlight That's that. Right. Not throwing rocks, but ready to welcome in yes. those yeah. who are broken. And, yeah. and as we think about that, there are probably some that have been listening to this mm-hmm. that uh, have found themselves struggling with pornography, whether that's a man or a woman, whether it's mentally, virtually, or even physically. And so over the course of these couple of episodes that we're going to do, we're going to begin to talk about very specific about how to fight this and how to deal with it. But the last thing we want to do today, brother, is to leave these brothers and sisters without hope. And so what would be some of the first initial steps that you would say, if you're struggling with this in your life, Uh what would you encourage our brothers and sisters to do? Yeah, the first thing that has to happen, right, is confession. You know, we know that sin thrives in the darkness and when it, and it dies in the light. And so first thing we need to do is drag it out of the darkness and get it into the light. So, and I think get that getting it into the light of kind of two people, as it were, to, well, maybe not people, one with God, right? So confess that sin first to God. Uh, you know, we think about Psalm 51 when David sinned sexually. You know, I've yes. sinned to you and you alone, oh, God. God. Yes. And so confess that sin to God. Be honest about it. This is, don't try to 
paint it rosy. It's wrong, God. I ask you for forgive me, which we'll get to that request of forgiveness in a second. But confession, and then secondly, to to man, you know, as it relates to, you know, we mentioned one of the aspects of it would be physical pornography, physical stuff. If you've, if you've, you know, I I've known people in the past, not in our church, but in people I've discipled back when I lived in North Carolina. There was somebody that we used to work with that hooked up with Craigslist people. And so like that person would need to uh, confess that sin to those people that they participated with and tell them that they're a follower of Christ and what they've done is not right. And so confession to them. Uh, so confession to start there. And it, on that, I think yeah. in terms of confession, you'll also notice in our corporate prayers, we often confess this yeah. sin corporately. Yeah. And so when that happens, join in that confession. Yes. You'll notice that when we preach sermons, we apply the sermon to yeah. sexual immorality frequently because yeah. we know this is an issue. So when that happens, don't let that yeah. just be impersonal and corporate. Begin to uh, in, invite those things in your own life and share them with others. Yeah, and that's going to help the church conversation about this. You know, we use that language all the time. We're a collection of deeply flawed people who have placed our faith in Christ. And so we're all deeply flawed. So you hear it in corporate prayers. uh, You hear it applied in sermons. So if you're listening to this and you think that everybody you're sitting around Sunday morning pretty much has it together, well, you've not got a good anthropology <laughs> uh, and you've not read the Bible carefully enough. You can assume that everybody around you is struggling, not maybe not with this sin, but with other sins. And right. so we confess them right. all, in all capacities. We don't want to normalize them. We don't want to lighten them. But yeah. at the same time, a healthy church is a messy church. So we got to get it out. All right, so we, in community groups would be another place to do that. Yeah, in yeah, discipling yeah, relationships yeah. where you're confessing those things, getting it out there, yeah. uh, those so kinds we, of things. We confess it to God and to others. Yeah. What would be the next thing? Next thing we need to receive the grace of God and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So I think what we tend to do, Heath Lambert's book, Finally Free, does a really good job with this. What we tend to do in the fight against pornography is we put too much of ourselves at the center of it. I did this and I did that. I did that. We need to put more of God in our fight in this. Namely, when we receive the forgiveness of God, we need to remember who we are in Christ and receive the grace of his forgiveness. Uh, And not think that, you know, he kind of half forgave us and we need to kind of punish ourselves uh, in order to be completely free. But we need to receive the grace of forgiveness. Uh, and then I think thirdly, well, you want to add anything just, to that? Just on that real quick, yeah. where, where Paul writes in, in Corinthians, I believe it's First Corinthians six, where he, he walks through these these sins and he says, "Such were yes, past tense some, some of, of you, you, but you've been washed clean." Yeah. So there's if if all of us are broken sexually, yeah. but our purity comes from Christ. Yeah, amen. So we've got to receive that. Yeah, yeah a really big dogger. So for that, go back and listen to our previous podcast series about the gospel, about having a bigger gospel, to live in that gospel. It'll be really a good, uh, the gospel primer, if you don't have that, read that. That'll help you receive the forgiveness. And lastly, I think in terms of this, uh, is you need to then ask for God to change your heart and your mind. Uh, you know, as that's this is just the turning to God piece of it. Ask him to change you from the inside out. And then I think there's some other things we want to do, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, like I, barriers, things like that. We kind of yeah. immediately throw those up. Yeah, and talk yeah. about those just for a second. Yeah, just, I mean, if, if if your iPhone is the issue, Jesus says, cut off your hand and th- gouge out your eye. Be willing to do whatever's necessary for radical repentance. Yeah. Uh, if if you live in a in a an apartment with others or with a with a family and you have a device in your compu- in your bedroom, well. Commit to only having devices in public. Yeah. Those types of things we would want to begin to put in place immediately. Yeah, yeah. Be willing to 
turn they do still I actually checked on this. You can get a flip phone. No kidding. You can get a flip phone and guess what? And it's cheaper. Yeah. It's cheaper to get a flip a flip phone. Uh that is I think that's in a manifestation of gouging out your eye, cutting off your hand, those kinds of things. I realize you think, oh I couldn't do that. Well listen, most of the world still does uh and uh you in histor- history has operated without smartphones. And there's ways you can make your smartphone dumb. That's right. In particular ways. So you can disable yeah. certain browsers and get passwords so you can't download apps and all those types of things. And iPhones so, in particular. Yeah. So uh, those those would be some, some things. Just as some well. quick immediate steps. Yeah. Just one really fast one yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh Philippians four, eight and nine. Paul is so instructive here. We tend to think more on what we uh on what you know, things that are impure and those kind of things, even our own guilt and shame for this. And Paul would instruct us, I think, in Philippians 4, 8, 9, to think harder on whatever is true and honorable and just and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy and then practice those things. So he seems to really be calling us to think deeper about those. And I think what we tend to do is we tend to think either about our shame a lot or our right. guilt a lot, or we think about those, th- or we sinfully think about those bad things. And we need to w- work harder thinking about beauty and goodness and loveliness. Uh, those are just some really quick, like we could have a whole podcast yeah. on that. As we'll see and as we'll tease out is, is we ultimately fight pornography not by saying no to it, but by saying yes to Christ who is better. Amen. And so next time we'll begin to talk about So we've assumed that this is wrong. So it's a pervasive problem. Talked about why and, and maybe some initial steps, but we've assumed that this is wrong. So next time we'll come back and we'll, we'll begin to talk about, we'll do a whole episode on pornography and why it is wrong mm-hmm. uh, to help our people understand. That's going to help them fight better, I think. And that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, beloved, we love you. We praise God for you, Amen. and may, may the Spirit give us the grace to fight this and every other sin that would hinder our delight in Christ. Yes. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Restoration Church Life Podcast. May God continue to give us the grace to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. and beyond.